Science on Surfaces. So welcome to this podcast. Today we will talk about interfacial rheology and how that can be used to predict emulsion and foam stability. So here with me in this call, I have my colleague Susanna Lauriem, who is an expert on interfacial rheology and surface-related phenomena. And she's been working at Biolin Scientific for around eight years on these topics. And before that, she did her PhD on uh, microfluidics and superhydrophobic surfaces. Hi, Susanna. Hi. Hi. Nice to be here. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to learn all about interfacial rheology today. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we just start with the basics. So rheology, of course, I've heard of, but interfacial rheology, are they related? Well, not really. I mean, we are using the same words, so it's basically the similar terminology we are using, so such as viscosity, uh, and both of them are actually studying the flow properties. But uh, if we think about the traditional, uh, like bulk uh, rheology, we are looking at the flow properties of the bulk. And then uh, when we are talking about interface rheology, we are actually interested in the uh, flow properties of the interfaces. Mm. So uh, you said flow properties and you also mentioned viscosity. So if we could just define or describe viscosity, which I, yeah. I guess is like a key. Yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> key so, I mean, yeah, absolutely. So if we think about, uh, we can think about first uh, bulk viscosity. So that's the property that kind of arises from the frictional forces that are present in uh, layers of fluid when they are in a relative motion. And uh, so maybe it's easier to understand if you think of like a, a narrow tube and you push liquid through that tube, uh, the liquid is um, moving more uh, or faster at the center of the tube than on the edges. And you need some kind of a stress, uh, for example, a pressure difference that you can force the liquids to go through the, through the tube. And uh, this, uh, the strength of this force that is needed is related to the viscosity. So if you consider, let's say, water, it's relatively easy to push that through uh, a, a tube. But then take honey, for example, you can understand that you need much more force to to be able to to do that. So then uh, the viscosity of the honey is is higher than the viscosity of water. Mm. And that of toothpaste would be even higher. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so. Okay, so we talked about viscosity and that is like a bulk property, but but. I mean, we're talking about interfaces, like interfacial rheology. So how does this relate to interfaces and what is an interface? Yeah, so I mean, it's not just any type of interface, of course. So uh, when we are talking about interfacial rheology, we are actually studying the interface that is stabilized by by some kind of a surface active molecule. So uh, surface active molecules, we have uh, hydrophobic and hydrophilic parts. And if you put those molecules in... Uh, air, water, or uh, oil, water interface, they will align and arrange so that the hydrophilic part is in water and hydrophobic part is in air or oil. So so what do you mean by stabilize? So maybe we should now consider a little bit already uh, what is an emulsion, basically. So emulsion is something 
is is basically a dispersed system where we have a uh, let's say oil drops in water. So then we have oil in water uh, emulsion. And uh, I mean, if you mix oil and water uh, together, they will eventually just separate into oil phase and water phase. So you actually need that third component, which is the surface active molecule, so that you can actually make it uh, a dispersed system. Otherwise, you will just have oil and water on top of each other. But if you add that surface active molecule, you can actually form a dispersed system where you have oil droplets in water. Okay, so mixing one phase with the other. But so this is, you talked about emulsions now, but then what about foams? So foams, you can maybe consider them as air water emulsions in a sense. So instead of having uh, oil as the other component, then you have air. So then uh, in the same way, you need some kind of a, a surface active molecule to, to stabilize that kind of a system uh, mm -hmm. so that you, you can get those uh, air bubbles, for example, in uh, water. Mm, okay, so it's a phase mixing yes, in both cases. Yes, exactly. Cases, yeah. you could say. Okay, so I, I still don't quite get how you how these uh, surface active molecules stabilize the interface. I mean, how does that work? Yeah, I mean, it actually works in two ways. So uh, there is a, um, I mean, we can let's think about this example where we have if you just have water. On a, on a piece of a beaker, let's say in a beaker, and then you put oil on top. So then you have two, two very separate phases. Then you try to mix those two together without any kind of surface active molecules present. Um, you might see, let's say, little droplets forming in water, but it doesn't take that long when the oil actually just separates from water and you can start to see these two separate phases again. And the reason for this is that uh, the interfacial tension between the oil and water is, is quite high. So there is actually, I mean, from thermodynamic point of view, we are increasing the total energy of the system because we are increasing the interfacial area between the water and oil. I mean, if you have a tiny oil droplet in water, you will have a huge uh, surface area contact in, in between. Uh, so we need to have these surface active molecules to decrease that kind of total uh, energy of the system. So that's one aspect of it. And the other thing is that if we think about the, uh, I mean, if you think about then you have these oil droplets uh, in, in water and they are covered with these surface active molecules, so uh, they will at some point collide. So the oil droplets will come in contact with each other when they are in, in water. So um, these, uh, these surface active molecules can also uh, kind of form a mechanical or steric or electrical barrier between the drops. So then uh, we don't see that type of a coalescence uh, happening if you have these particles that can kind of prevent or, or molecules that can prevent this, this coalescence to, to, from happening. So that's uh, another other way how these, uh, these molecules can stabilize uh, emulsions. So they can 
they can prevent uh, or at least make it, let's say, uh, hinder the coalescence of uh, of emulsions. Okay, so how? I mean, if <clears throat> you were describing that if you mixed oil and water, and then after some time you would have like oil on top of water. Yeah. So basically, what happens then is that all those oil bubbles, when they meet, they will be combine into one, exactly. and then they make the next and, one, and then. Yes. Exactly. And now they will just, they can meet and nothing will really happen. Yes, right. exactly. Yeah. Okay. So I was thinking about mayonnaise. I know that uh, there is uh, something called lecithin in mm. egg yolk. Yeah. And I guess this is then a surface active molecule and an emulsifier yeah. in this case. Yes, it exactly. It allows this to be mixed yeah. with the egg and the oil. Yeah, exactly. And 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 phospholipids and and proteins are, are very common uh, emulsifiers in, in food. And, uh, uh, and, but I mean, even particles can be emulsifiers. So uh, these type of emulsions are called pickering emulsions. Mm -hmm. uh, then of course the mechanism, how they work is slightly different because you don't have that hydrophobic and hydrophilic part in the same way as you would in, in a phospholipid, for example. Uh, then, I mean, in, in oil industry, for example, we have very stable emulsions that are formed between uh, between water and oil, because we have some, we have uh, these um, uh, ingredients called asphaltines in crude oil uh, that can stabilize uh, emulsions and make them really, really strong. And in this case, we of course need something to to uh, maybe break the emulsions. Okay, right. So you have to get rid of that exactly sort of interface stabilizing molecule. Yes, exactly. Somehow. Yeah, exactly. Okay, okay. so um, can you measure uh, this uh, stability? Uh, yeah, to some extent. I mean, not directly, but interface rheology measurements can give us uh, kind of indications or predict how uh, the emulsion stability. So we have a few different ways of doing this. Um, first of all, we can divide, divide um, uh, the uh, interface rheology into two. So we have shear interfacial rheology and then we have dilatational interfacial rheology and the difference between the two is that in shear uh, we are actually just uh, deforming the shape of the interface basically but not really increasing the uh, area whereas in dilatational we are increasing the surface area so uh, one of the shear methods is um, is called isr so it's interfacial shear uh, rheometer where we have a magnetic needle that is oscillated at the interface and uh, with, with the help of a magnetic field. And then we are actually looking at that needle with the camera and measuring how much uh, the needle is able to move at the interface with a certain magnetic, magnetic uh, field. And this, this enables very sensitive measurements for interfacial properties. Um, but I would maybe say that uh, shear methods are not maybe they are they are used maybe more for more fundamental uh, research I would say uh, because it's a dilatational method uh, the setup of measurement is much more simple so uh, also we have a stronger indication that. Uh, the dilatational interfacial rheological properties, and especially the interfacial, um, uh, the elasticity of the surface, is something that can be linked to 
emulsion stability. Uh, so in, in uh, dilatational methods, we are uh, fluctuating, as I said, we are actually uh, changing the interfacial area. And uh, there are two ways to do it. One is with oscillating barriers. So you can have a, your, uh, let's say your interfacial layer uh, on top of uh, or in between oil and water or on top of water. Then you uh, oscillate it with the barriers. So you are actually increasing the surface area and decreasing the surface area. And uh, at the same time, you're measuring the surface tension of changes uh, at the, at the uh, interface. And in, it, it, this is uh, also the, the other method that is very commonly used, which is called pulsating drop, is based on exactly the same method. So uh, there we make a, uh, a bend and drop so we use uh, we have talked about pendant drop before. So there we um, we basically make a pendant drop which could be used to measure surface tension. But instead of just having it hang there statically, we are actually uh, pulsating the drop with the known frequency. And then at the same time we are measuring uh, the surface or interfacial tension. And what we get is a uh, basically a sinusoidal curve or two sinusoidal curves. One is, one is for surface area, so that will change um, as a function of frequency. And then also we will get a sinusoidal curve for uh, surface tension, which will uh, be the same sinusoidal, I mean, with the same frequency. Um, then uh, we are looking at these two curves. If they, if they, um, uh, if they are in the same phase, then we are saying that the uh, interface uh, is completely elastic. If they are, if they are uh, in a separate phase, then we can uh, define the surface elastic and viscose component for that uh, interface. Uh, and then, of course, this is uh, automatically done by software. They, uh, this information of, of uh, uh, surface tension uh, as a function of, of frequency is basically used to calculate the, uh, the, um, these elastic and viscose components for that interface. So if you would do this on like a real emulsion, you would create like a model system or could you actually do it on a real, could you do it on mayonnaise, for example? No, no, exactly. <laughs> So that's that's actually a really good question because it's uh, no you you shouldn't take mayonnaise and start pulsating that because it doesn't really tell you anything you actually have to separate it into two components so you would have your uh, water and oil and whatever is the emulsifier that you use which is in I mean in uh, in case of mayonnaise it's the egg yolk that you are using to to stabilize it so uh, so you would typically create more like a model uh, system so that you you have a, a uh, oil of water and then your emulsifier and then you are looking at that. Mm. And then also what you said with with the oil where you have an interface that you don't want to be stabilized, mm. I guess you could then have that interface that you know is now stabilized and then yes. figure out how to break it. Yeah, exactly. Or, I, I mean, you could uh, probably even do it so that you would then add uh, different uh, 
kind of um, demulsifying, so uh, emulsion breaking components into your mixture, and you could look how how it uh, how the interface behaves if you add uh, different uh, different um, components uh, to break the emulsion. So yeah, that's uh, what could be an emulsion breaking component. Is that just something that interacts with that specific molecule? Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's something that is basically able to to adsorb in between those uh, surface active molecules that you have yeah. and then kind of uh, separate them and break uh, break the emulsion in, in that way. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So I was also thinking you mentioned, mentioned these two uh, categories of mm. um, measurements, mm. the, sh the shear approach mm. and the dilatational. Yes, exactly. Do they measure the same thing or? Um, I mean, in, in a sense, yes, they are measuring uh, the surface uh, kind of interface. So rheological properties of the surface, but, and you are measuring uh, basically uh, elasticity and viscosity of the surface. But you always have to mention if it's a shear or if it's a dilatational method, because they do vary a bit, because you do have a different way of deforming the surface. So I think it's maybe easiest to understand if you think about the dilatational method, where you are actually uh, increasing the surface area. So you are, you are also allowing uh, components from the bulk of the liquid to adsorb on the surface or or then they can uh, desorb from from the interface when you are uh, when you are decreasing the area so you have also that kind of a mechanisms or, or a phenomena uh, going on at the interface whereas with the shear methods it's uh, I mean at least in theory it's more controlled because then you don't have that uh, you don't have that exchange between the bulk and the interface because you are not really uh, changing the the size uh, of the interface. Okay, I see. Okay, so um, why is it important to measure this then? Or I mean, <laughs> there are so many, so so many um, examples where you. I mean, all, all kinds of products are some sort of emulsions. I mean, we we have been talking about food uh, products like mayonnaise. Uh, all sorts of pharmaceuticals or cosmetics, like a um, like a day cream, is an emulsion. And of course, uh, I mean, when when you are manufacturing those emulsions, uh, you want to be uh, able to, for example, give some kind of a shelf lifetime for that uh, product. I mean, if you would, if if the stability of the of uh, the emulsion is is really bad that it maybe it, you can also only store it for a week and then you see the separation happening. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's very, very important that you have those uh, stable uh, emulsions in many cases. But also the other aspect that we have kind of touched upon is, is the, uh, the, this breaking of emulsions. So there are also like in oil industry and other processes as well, there are in, the, in industrial processes where you have oil and water uh, in, in a process in some, uh, some uh, shape or form, what, will ha what could happen is that you could accidentally uh, produce these uh, emulsions. 
And in oil industry, uh, when you, uh, you, you basically, in a sense, accidentally produce oil water emulsions because you are using water to get the oil out from the reservoir. So then uh, what will happen is that you will, you will form that emulsion, but you will also need to have a way to, to separate that water from oil. Otherwise, your uh, oil is, is kind of a, a not so good quality oil if it contains a lot of water. So, uh, yeah, there are, there are so many different, <coughs> different uh, industrial areas where this is uh, very meaningful. Mm. So research on this only? Uh, yeah, I mean, there is a lot of research going on, but now we have started to also see that uh, this could be maybe may used also in uh, quality control uh, purposes in, in some uh, cases, so that you could uh, kind of uh, quickly check if, uh, I mean, the quality of your of your systems. So there are there are a lot of things and, and the research is moving forward. I mean, this is barely so it's uh, uh, there is a lot of research ongoing and, and progress is, is for sure happening all the time on this. OK, wow, so much information. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this is a pretty heavy topic. Yeah, and so much terminology as yes. well. So yeah, exactly. can you summarize this somehow, like the key? Yes, sure, sure. So I think maybe, I mean, this this has certainly been just an introduction to this field and very short introduction. And uh, but I mean, I think the, uh, the kind of the take home messages are that, I mean, emulsions are everywhere and the stability of, of them can be either wanted or unwanted. And uh, this interfacial layer between the two phases that form the emulsion is uh, is very very important if we think about the, the stability of the emulsion. <coughs> and then measuring the interfacial rheological properties, and I would say especially measuring the the dilatational elasticity of that interface is something that can help you to predict if. The uh, if this, this, this interface or emulsion is stable or not, and this is a relatively simple measurement to to make. Okay, so a great introduction to this topic. Then thank you for sharing your knowledge. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you uh, for listening to this episode with me, Marlene Edvardson, and Susanna Laurian from Violin Scientific. I would also like to take the opportunity to mention to those of you who are listening or watching that if you are interested in surface science or related topics, you should check out our blog, the Surface Science blog. Thank you. <laughs>